0: The Koi Gig Pod On Off The Ball Having taken a poor penalty For you as a goalkeeper Mentally to go back and goal And you've seen it It was such a poor effort from her Mackenzie Ireland should have saved that penalty Subscribe to
1: the feed In the OTB Sports app Now
2: Off The Ball Breakfast
0: Ireland's Sports Breakfast Show It's 26 minutes past 8 In studio Back from Australia Cathy and in Australia We have Daniel Storey You're both very welcome How are you?
1: Well, thank you.
0: Uh, what was the post-match press conference like in the aftermath of a 3-1 semi-final victory? It's, is it pure, uh, unadulterated bliss and joy or are they already starting to think, okay, big game coming up? How quickly does the focus switch from we have achieved something remarkable here to got to be a better business?
1: It was kind of basically bang down the middle. Um, we had a series of players, particularly in the mix zone, saying we have no words for what we've just achieved and then going on to use quite a lot of words about what they've just achieved. And yeah, they are incredibly proud of, of the group. They are proud of beating the first opponent in this tournament who I think, there were serious doubts about them beating particularly with the home crowd it was an astonishing atmosphere in stadium Australia last night Uh, and I think they felt the real pressure to go further than they've gone before this team's got to the World Cup uh, semi-final in 2015 and 2019 and they felt that this squad was better after winning the Euros last summer or be it with some absentees. And they really wanted this. They didn't want to be the World Cup bridesmaids again. And yeah, they legitimately think they've got a chance in the final. They think they've got a strategy to beat Spain. They won't tell us what it is, although we can make a few guesses. Uh, and yeah, I think it's basically a final on a knife edge and England have that experience from last summer. So why not? Kathleen, is this uh,
0: what you anticipated the final being?
2: No, not at all, to be honest. Um, I thought that England coming into this initially weren't like as good as I thought they had been last summer when I was watching them during the Euros but I think what we've seen from them over the course of this tournament is like they've almost hit that sort of mentality that the US have had for so many years in that they haven't always performed outstanding and a couple of players have really grown into the tournament like I think Lauren Hemp in particular we've seen from her this tournament what we may be expected to see from her last year in the Euros and she's kind of taken everything to another level and if you look back on a lot of their performances they're not exactly, you know, resounding winning games from champions but they've just always had that little extra step to go and i think like with spain as well uh, f- I suppose with all the stuff going into the tournament it was just really hard to know where they were at and if the team was actually going to play for Vilda or not and they have been one of the like really good teams and really interesting teams in the tournament again you also have the thing you think of like if they actually had the likes of Mappy Leon Claudia Pina could they have done one better in some of the games like maybe the Japan result wouldn't have happened Um, but yeah it's an exciting final to have I think because you have either England becoming one of the great powerhouse teams for this like most recent time or else you have a really really interesting Spanish team in that like you look at their underage structures like they could have under 17 under 20 and senior World Cups which would be very very impressive
0: yeah, they play a great style of football as well um, and backbone by a Barcelona side who obviously have been one of the best club teams we've ever seen.
2: Yeah, and but also by like a Real Madrid team that is very much still at the stage of like growth and development. I mean, those Real Madrid players were the ones who were there whenever the 15 decided that they didn't want to play under Vilda and uh, like a lot of them have obviously come into the squad um, for the World Cup and the general sense seems to be that they wanted to play in a World Cup so they put aside a lot of the feelings that they had about the management and about the FA in Spain but uh, yeah I think it just shows like the strength that is in Spanish football at the moment.
1: Uh, Ella Toon scored
2: an unbelievable goal yesterday Daniel and probably she's only in the team because of Lauren James's suspension you'd imagine but is that a decision that you expect to go Lauren James's way in terms of the, 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 the line-up on Sunday or, or how do you expect Fiedman to to go?
1: I suspect I should go with the same team. Uh, I think Lauren James' strength in this tournament um, has actually been as an in, impact player. You look at the the kind of obvious links with Salma uh, Paralelo of, of Spain, who, again, young, a winger, really confident on the ball, driving at players. They do feel like impact players. Um, Lauren was basically marked out of the game against Nigeria and England struggled as a result. And they have a strength in depth that means they can afford to have what you know, it's what Serena calls starters and finishers. She says the team that finishes the game is as strong as the, or as important as the team that starts it. And it might be that Lauren James is one of those finishers. Um, I think England will look for space in behind. I think they'll probably play with Hemp and uh, Russo as the front two to work for each other. Um, and we saw it last night against Australia, those direct balls down the channels in behind really causes defence problems if, if Spain play with that high line. So I think it will probably be the same team. But, you know, England are, are have shown in this tournament they are really resilient. They've lost players through injury. They've lost players through suspension. They've had to win games in a myriad of different ways. You know, they've won on penalties. They've won 1-0. They've, they've conceded first and still won. They've they've scored first and been pegged back and still won. So they'll fancy themselves with any team that starts to to get it done.
0: Yeah, in a way, that's a more sustainable thing in a tournament than being a swashbuckling team who goes and dominates and then comes up against an opponent who has worked you out.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, Spain are still an unknown because we didn't expect them to come quite this far. But um, they're clearly going to want to use the ball. They're clearly going to want to dominate possession. But Japan showed a, a blueprint for how you can get at Spain. They had 22% possession in that game and they won 4-0. That's an incredibly emphatic way of doing it. But England will see an option there to, to soak up pressure, to have Kira Walsh sat in front of that defence and to use it as a as a kind of a, a move breaker rather than a move starter. And then as soon as possession is won, they will try and go through the transitions. They will use Stamway and if Those are the two that start. They will use daily and Bronze pushing up high quickly and they will try and create overlaps that overload Spain. And if they're able to do that, they'll win the game. The question is whether England are good enough at soaking up that pressure defensively to do so. Japan were, if England are, then they'll win the game. What do
0: you think is going to happen?
2: It's kind of as Daniel says, like it's so hard to tell in that like I think you look at when Sam Kerr scored yesterday in the semi-final and like Australia were pressing a lot more on England and they did have to soak up that pressure I think there was like a couple of moments where they looked a little bit shaky and I suppose if Sam Kerr had actually taken the other chance that she got, we could have been talking about a totally different story. But I do think that England are very good at soaking up that pressure if they can settle themselves inside the first like, 15, 20 minutes. The difference is that like I do think that Spanish football is going to provide a bit more of a difficulty for them than the Australian game because I think it's a, a lot different to what they're going to be used to. But also as Danny was saying, like they have had to win many different ways. They've had to, you know, play non European teams, which I think they struggled with a little bit compared to facing the European opponents. I I think that if they can utilize their players in the right way, I think like you mentioned Ella Chain, like mm-hmm. she for me, hasn't been involved in the games as much as she should be, which is kind of funny when you look at like the goals scored yesterday and the fact she's now scored in like major tournaments like quarter semis and uh, hopefully a final, I'm sure a lot of people will be hoping on Sunday if she's playing. But I do think that Spain have that little bit of flair and excitement that I think Lauren James brought to Um, England earlier on in the tournament but then there's also the big, you know, debate in the sense of, well, the reason she was sent off was because she was young and she lost her head for 30 seconds. Can she get over that herself and can she bring that on Sunday? Because the question going into the World Cup was, well, with Chelsea and Champions League she struggled on that kind of big stage of pressure and then it seemed like she'd gotten over it and then it seemed like she went back a little bit so that's going to be a really interesting dynamic for me. I don't know, I... There's just part of me that thinks Spain are going to do it, but I also said going into this that England weren't going to get this far, so I could be horrendously wrong. (laughs) It's going to be a game of chances. You'd imagine Mary Earp's performance, well, if she was anything like a performance you had yesterday as well she must be having nightmares about um, Sam Kerr like <laughs> 10 games club and country 10 goals for Sam Kerr not bad <laughs> uh,
0: the back page of your paper this morning um, your colleague Catherine Lucas has the, the story we know how to win finals Spain don't it's Lucy Bronze we know how to win finals that's something Spain doesn't have that we have that's an experience that not only I have but many of these England players have the likes of Chloe Kelly Tooney Greenwood Millie Bright Rachel Daly Mary Earps there's so many Sometimes you don't say these things out loud. You say them in the privacy of the team room.
1: <laughs> yeah, they were. I mean, they were. They were pumping and jumping last night. Serena tried to give a, uh, Serena Vigman tried to give them a team talk on the pitch, and you could see that they just weren't quite taking it in until the morning after. They were very excited. But this was a kind of, they, they've always been seen this week as two finals, one against the host nation and Australia who beat them in the friendly, the only game that Serena Wigman had lost as England manager. That felt like a final in itself. And now they're on to the second final. That's always how they saw it. Uh, and yeah, they are very excited. They do believe that that bronze and Walsh give them an av- advantage. You know, bronze referenced, referenced this elsewhere in her comments, but they play with, at least six, maybe even seven, maybe even eight of this Spanish starting eleven at Barcelona. If, if Serena Vigma wants to get any tips on particular players, I'm sure she'll have done her homework anyway. But that must help if you've played with seven or eight of these players at club level. It's unprecedented um, for that to happen in a, a World Cup final of any level. So they think that helps. They think they've had this self-fulfilling mood this unshakable belief that no one will push us off our course. And, and in Vigman they have a manager who is pretty much the perfect tournament manager at the moment. She has reached four major finals in a row uh, and she thinks she's going to win the next one. It, they don't feel like a team overall by an occasion either, Kathleen. Do they? Like no. 1966 keeps getting mentioned, I guess, in the, in the build up, <laughs> and it will again for the next
2: number of days. But they don't seem over overall, certainly. No, I don't think so. Although I was, I was listening, and I know Daniel, you were at the game yesterday, so you'd probably be able to give a bit more insight into this. But I was listening to the Counterpress podcast this morning on my way into work, and it was, you know, Ian Wright and Floyd Hughes saying that the atmosphere wasn't actually what they expected yesterday, and that it was like whenever a big moment happened, like say Sam Kerr got on the ball, the crowd would kind of swell, but it wasn't maybe that cauldron that England were expecting and that gave them a little bit of an edge in that it let them settle and let them say, okay, well, we can control how this crowd goes. So obviously you're going to have a very different setup on Sunday in terms of it being, you know, not a host nation involved. And the Spanish, from what I'd seen, had like quite good support, whereas I thought sometimes some of the England games... It was like people were invested in the moments, but maybe that suits the team better. And they also had the experience of like Wembley last year and being in front of a home crowd. And they, I don't think they were overwhelmed by that at the time either.
1: No, I think that's fair. Uh, the crowd last night was, was an amazing atmosphere, but you're right, it wasn't a, a cauldron. It was reflective of a country that has grown to fall in love with Matildas fall in love with football it was a a, we're told it was the highest ever uh, TV audience ever in Australian TV history that's not just women's football or football or sport that's ever for anything so they have fallen in love very quickly with this team and yeah I think that was reflected there was kind of excitement when they got on the ball but they weren't making it difficult for England not as difficult as the Colombian crowd did in the quarterfinals I suspect in the final there will be more English fans than Spanish I've already heard of people who had tickets for the final who are now flying out because england have got there uh i think we'll see the biggest england crowd at a women's away game uh probably in our history that's great um but you know the, the players always talk about blocking out the noise they always talk about not really hearing it in the moment anyway i think they just go out and play the game that Viegman wants them to play they've done that until now i don't see a reason for them to stop mm.
0: It is a bit mad what's what's at stake here, and it is a bit mad that Spain have come through, uh, given that half the team didn't want to play for the coach. Like this is, I, I mean, I remember this in rugby. I don't remember this really in football where there's been such a Mm. a situation. Is he is he actually responsible for the coaching and they're doing what he's telling them? What, What what's our understanding of how the day-to-day is working
2: well that that was the main thing that the players were angry about initially that the coaching wasn't up to scratch and it wasn't what they wanted it's actually strange like I haven't heard a massive amount from inside the Spanish camp throughout this World Cup they've seemed to have kept things very very tight very very close there hasn't even in the Spanish media and stuff like I would still follow a lot of those journalists from whenever the Vilda stuff first came out and it's so focused on the World Cup and I don't know if everyone just sat back and said look we had our issues but also there is this common goal and this team really wants to get to those major championships they want to win those major tournaments and they've just decided that until after the World Cup none of that stuff is going to matter I mean I would love to know what Mappy leon is thinking or like what panos is thinking sitting back watching all this and there must be an incredible sense of betrayal for those players who did take the ultimate sacrifice of saying i'm actually sticking by my loyalties and i'm not going to go back on this but there's been very very little outside of the camp about how players actually feel about the management there's been a couple of incidences where people are kind of analyzing how the players are interacting with different managers you know there was after the quarterfinal where Vilda was kind of looking around for someone to celebrate with and a couple of players blanked him or Patel coming off the pitch and not shaking hands with one of the assistant managers and kind of ignoring him but I don't know how much you can actually read into that in the moment as well without hearing more
1: The, the really interesting thing for me is that you're absolutely right we've heard absolutely nothing they've refused to answer questions on it all tournament clearly deliberately and yet Last night, apparently, on Spanish TV, uh, Luis Rubiales, the head of the the Spanish Football Federation, kind of did this impassioned defense of a in which he said he's endured a lot he's just a hard-working man and a world-class coach he said he's continued working and not paid attention to those who have tried to destroy him and it's i mean that's how it's been all along it's been those two it's been the rfef and him who have been in kind of the team and everyone else has either been you're with me or you're not and they felt uncomfortable about speaking about it and yet it's rubiales who comes out and defends his man and i'd love to know what they think about that they just say nothing we may never know and we certainly will never know if they win the World Cup if they lose the final on on Sunday then maybe we will hear a little bit more about it but yeah it's an extraordinary situation I can't remember anything like it the only other time it's really happened at a World Cup was France 2010 with Dominic and the players all boycotting and he was sacked for gross misconduct immediately after the tournament so to stick with their man for this long is extraordinary. And we should also say the flip side of it is it's meant he's called up players who have then stood up, Paraluello and Albuquerque in midfield. Like it's it's incredible how this has happened that he's he's just binned off those 15 players, call back three of them who coincidentally are probably the most important three players, arguably in this team now. And yeah. And they roll on it's it's it is absolutely remarkable it's unprecedented
2: I do wonder if there'll be something like you know at Corinne Dirac and the 2019 World Cup and the fact that that was a home World Cup for France and obviously like this is some of the first times we've seen Le Sémire play it's the first time we've seen a lot of those massive massive players if that down the line no matter what happens on Sunday if some players will come out and talk about it or I mean I want to read the tell-all book from some of those players and like even if it's in five ten years time I can can't wait already for it.
0: Uh, If you're inside that Spanish camp, while we outside are going, this is remarkable that, you know, the the anger and whatever is is there. But you must be feeling like you're a team of destiny, particularly when you're like seeing England telling us, well, we can win this. You can't. Like I I can see on the Spanish talk shows this morning, they're like, bring it on.
1: Yeah, they are. And they are also using this, whether it's, you know, a manufacturing of the situation or not. They are saying we're not saying there wasn't conflict. There was definitely conflict, but we're you, we are now united behind this common goal of winning the World Cup. And we have put this conflict behind us. There is still definitely an unease around Vilda. There are players who won't celebrate with him. There are players who keep themselves themselves. It, but but what that's actually done is created a tighter knit group within those players that seems to have enabled them to respond to setback because that japan defeat was was monumental it was a, a four 0 thrashing it was a dismantling of everything that spain wanted to do tactically and possession and yet they've come through it and that's because they think they're stronger because of this conflict not less united right so england are favorites right are they
2: uh, i think on the basis of the fact they have a major tournament underneath them probably but i also think that's Spanish football could dismantle them a little bit. Even if you look at like the Champions League and whenever like the English teams have come up against the likes of Barcelona, they've really, really struggled against them. And I think that's a good enough basis as anything to say that they could struggle on Sunday too.
0: Okay, what's your prediction?
2: <laughs> I'm going to say... I, I- Dan, you go first, and I'll like basically answer off what you say.
1: I, yeah, I think my my hunch and it is a, a way too a, a kind of exact prediction uh, to ever come true. But I think one all ninety minutes, and then England two one in extra time. <laughs> it would be which would perfect be exactly for the same. <laughs> yeah, it would, and it would be exactly the same as we should say as happened in the Euro twenty twenty two quarter final when mm. they drew one all in normal time, and then England won in extra time. Um,
2: I was going to say 2-1 in normal time, so. To England? To England,
1: yeah. Okay, all right. Good stuff.
0: Daniel in Australia, thanks very much. Enjoy it for the rest of it. And uh, Kathleen, thanks very much for joining us this morning too.
2: No worries. Off the ball. Breakfast.
1: breakfast. Ireland's Sports Breakfast Show.